Broken crayons. Broken crayons. Broken crayons still color. This is the Broken Crayons Still Color Podcast with your host, Shelly Hitz. Each episode contains an inspiring story of hope and healing in Christ. Many times, what we see as our biggest regrets, failures, and mistakes become what God uses the most in our lives. God is able to transform our brokenness into something more beautiful than we can even imagine. He takes our mess and creates a masterpiece. You see, Broken Crayons Still Color. Welcome back to the Broken Crayons Still Color podcast. I'm your host, Shelly Hitz, and today's guest is Michelle Moore. Welcome, Michelle. Hi, how are you? I am doing wonderful, and I'm so thankful that you're willing to share your story because I know it's going to be a powerful one. You know, there are moments, memories, and situations that have left all of us with a feeling of deep abandonment. Most of us have experienced someone leaving us, whether through emotional or physical abandonment, could even be through death. Michelle was abandoned by both of her parents and she struggled to make sense of her life story, finally grasping hold of the truth that God would never leave her as her parents had. She has found the key to forgiveness and release the painful past, which has held her hostage. So she'll be sharing her powerful story in today's episode. So just to start off, Michelle, tell us a little bit about what your broken crayons looked like. Well, um, you know, it's it's one of those things where the very people that as a child, you know, we all expect that our parents are always going to be there for us unconditionally. And in my situation, unfortunately, that just was not what happened. Both of my parents, by the time I was 14, had completely abandoned me. Wow. Um, my mother went missing. I didn't know if she was dead or alive. I was an only child. And really? So it was very, very traumatizing, and um, and my parents had been divorced by the time twice by the time married and divorced twice by the time I was five. So oh, wow. uh, when she vanished when I was fourteen, in that ten years prior, I hadn't seen my father but one time, wow. and uh, and so you know I, I I really didn't know him either. He had certainly abandoned me years earlier, and um, you know and of course you know we were talking about break broken crayons, right? Yeah. And, it's, it's, you know, that uh, 14 years old, I look back and go, how did I live through it? Because uh, I don't know many adults that could do it. But, um, right. you know, it's just one of those things where, yes, it was, it wreaked havoc in my life. And, wow. and it did for many years. So obviously. Yeah. So what happened in that whole situation where your mo- mother disappeared? Like, who did you stay with? You know, did you ever find out where she was? Was there like, a point that was your lowest point? Yeah, yeah. Well, I would say, you know, I was 14 when my mother left and vanished. Um, and I didn't know if she were dead or alive or was dead or alive for, for many years, um, for almost 18 years. I didn't wow. find her. And I had been looking for her through the years and did everything I could possibly do. Um, but, um, but, you know, at the end of the day, I would say my lowest point was at 15. I had an attempted suicide. Wow. And, um, you know, I would certainly say that that was the very lowest. Uh, I lived with an aunt and uncle. The uncle was uh, a brother of my mom's. She was the middle of five kids. And uh, what I could say to you is, you know, just the uh, lack of support, the lack of sympathy, empathy. I really had um, no uh, support or understanding. And, you know, and, and really even in school, there's, you know, the teachers can't really do anything or help you in any way or be there for you. And your friends, when you're 14 and 15 and 16, aren't right. equipped 
to be able to as well. And so it was really, really difficult. I say it's like I was holding on with my fingernails. Um, But I made a friend when I was 15, and uh, she and I became quick friends the first week of my sophomore year. And she had uh, three siblings and mom and dad that were married, and they went to church on Sundays. And they would come and pick me up, and they would take me to church. And um, I remember spending the night at her home one time, and we were we're all sitting around this huge round uh, table, dinner table to have dinner. And I remember everyone holding hands to say blessing. And that was the first time I had ever done that. Wow. Uh, and I ended up actually being saved in their backyard. Uh, they had a swimming pool wow. and um, had their pastor come and they, they uh, baptized me um, in the swimming pool. But, you know, I would just say, um, you know, the peace that I felt in the time that I was going to, to their church Um, was something I could never shake. And it was years later that I really went searching for God. And it took me quite a few years to find the right church. And I would visit this place or that place once or twice but and go with friends and just different churches, but they just were never the right place. And the moment I walked into the right place, my life changed. And um, and so it was, uh, you know, just a, a, a blessing and a miracle. But I knew because of the peace that I had experienced at a young age that that meant that there had to be a God. And I never forgot that peace that I experienced. And it led me to really, really, you know, being uh, on fire and searching for God and searching for that peace. And I just felt like what I had felt back then was an, an obvious clue that um, God really did exist. And uh, my pastor says that, you know, a person with an argument is no match with a pers- for a person with an experience. And I will right. say that is the honest to goodness truth. So, um, but going back to your question, um, I had a baby. I have two boys now that are 10 and 12. And um, uh, my oldest, his name's Dylan, and he was about five months old. And a Saturday morning, I picked up the phone when it was ringing, and it was my mother on the uh, on the other line, and she wow. was alive. And um, and so I was able to find out, you know, where she was, where she had been, and what was going on. And and I will say that I my plans, uh, my prayers were answered. Everything didn't work out like I had planned. Um, she had lost a job that she had had for many years and was behind on her rent and needed money. And so she had called because she was needing help and um, mm. um, was not interested in a relationship. But God gave me what I prayed for. And he's so great, even in all of that. You know, people go, oh, my gosh, that's so awful that, you know, you weren't best friends again, and which is what I had assumed would happen. But um, because we'd been so close as a child. But um but God gave me what I prayed for, which was to know. It was hell not knowing. Yes, the unknowing. Uh, yeah, it was, It was. I, I, I say it was nothing short of hell. I was living in hell wow. um, almost 18 years. And um, and so my son Dylan is, um, is 12 now. In fact, it was the first week of De- December that she called. And so uh, he was almost 12 and a half. And um, she passed away two years ago. And so, um, but I did, I flew her out the next day and after she had called and, um, she was here in town for a couple of days and I was able to see her and she knew about, um, both boys and, and so, you know, but it just, after about a year of trying, it just wasn't, um, it was obvious that a relationship wasn't what she was looking for. 
And, um, and I always say, you can't make someone have a relationship with you. Right. I can't make my mom want to be a mom and I couldn't, you know, I can't, can't make my dad want to be a dad. Um, and what I've had to learn is I can't make them want to be grandparents either. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yes. You can only yeah. do your and part. The, and yeah. I yeah. love, I love how God in his mercy, you know, when you were 15, you had the, you know, the suicidal attempt, but then, you know, there was the friend, there was that, yeah. that, you know, that that rope of hope almost, you know, just like that peace and, and what he began to, to do in your life. But what would you say was really the turning point as far as being able to grasp that you are never alone, really having healing over this abandonment issue? And what would you say was the turning point for that? Um, I was sitting on my sofa one night and I was crying my heart out, and my husband was trying to console me, and he'd gotten up and left the room, and I heard in my spirit, just as clear as day, I didn't turn my head and think God was in the room, but I did hear it, and I heard, you are not even thankful for what you have. Wow. And I was like, thankful? What would I be thankful for? And I'm crying, and, and I had three visions. God gave me three visions sitting right there. And the first one was um, my children had both been uh, born prematurely and in the NIC unit at Vanderbilt here in the Nashville area. And they were both very sick. And he showed me, and as I, as I was seeing these visions, I could hear my children playing on the Wii, jumping and laughing and giggling. And God reminded me of the sick babies, because when your baby's in the NIC unit at Vanderbilt, you see some really sick babies. Oh, yeah. And then, and, uh, and mine were perfectly healthy, and I knew of other women whose babies had not, it had not turned out that way, who had had babies delivered that day. Um, and so the second vision was my home, and God reminded me that I had prayed for the home that I had. And he reminded me that he even showed me that he gave it to me on a platter, kind of, so to speak, all the way down to some details and explanation mark that he, he wow. did. And so, and then the third vision was my husband, and he reminded me that my friends and family members and different women that I know who have been married and divorced or a lot of single friends of mine that have never found the right man, and here he is, he's such a great dad, and, mm -hmm. and you know, really had uh, given me what I had prayed for and had cared so much about, which was a great uh, father for my children, because remember, that was going to be really important to me, True. because I had yes. a great father. And so um, I sat there and I thought, what in the world is wrong with me? Mm -hmm. You know, odds are on this Sunday night, my parents are not sitting on their sofa crying about what they had or hadn't done or been for me or what they had missed. And, and I thought about it and I thought, all I keep doing is grieving for these, for these parents and for the situation of what had been stolen from me as a child. Um, and so I, I just said, something's got to change. And looking back, I didn't realize it at the time. I just I just declared something was going to mm -hmm. change. And what happened over like the next seven or eight months is God took a hold of me and walked me down the path marked forgiveness. Wow. Um, I remember a few months later, maybe a couple of months later, I was standing on my back covered deck and raindrops were just falling. And I remember walking out onto the uh, back covered deck and crying that it was raining. And I thought, you know, I have natural curly hair and when it rains, it's not be good. 
and so here I am crying. And so, cause it was, I was so grateful that it was raining. I have friends that go to Cambodia and tell me about how, however big your bucket is, is how much clean water you have if it's rained recently. Oh, yeah. And so I hear about clean water and, and so, um, God just really took a hold of me and did a real work in me, had me apologize, um, to family members, uh, and just different people that really had, had, um, had not been good situations. You remember I said that I had not had a lot of support when uh, my mother left. I really had no support. And so what happened, though, is that God showed me that people provided what they were capable of. Mm. And that at the end of the day, uh, your role was you went to bed upset with them um, because they fell short and you need to apologize. And I didn't speak to anybody about some of the things that I did because I knew that in the natural, people would look at me and go, are you for real? You know, my friends and my husband and different people and would they would not understand. But ultimately, here was the bottom line. The ultimate decision was I had to decide. I came to a fork in the path, and I had to decide, am I going to keep doing things the way I've been doing them? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there probably weren't going to be many people in this world that were going to tell me that uh, I was, you know, because I, I heard many times people say, oh, I wouldn't forgive them either. You know, I wouldn't have flown my mother in and done this and done. What is she doing that for? I mean, we heard plenty of feedback from people. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and a lot of times, you know, you think you know what you're going to do until you're in that situation. But I, at, the, at that fork, I realized I could keep doing, you know, what I was doing and getting what I was getting. And, um, you know, and the hurt and the pain and living in the, un, the injustice of all of it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Again, everybody in the world was going to tell me yeah, I had every powerful to hurt, right? But or was I going to go the other way at the fork in the path? And was I going to lay all that down? Yes, I was a victim. Yes, I had, you know, all of that. But or was I going to lay it down and just do it God's way? And at the end of the day, you know, we we know that um, you know things don't always make sense to us, and right. and, and what the way that we're called to w- walk out as a Christian. But um, I chose God's way, and I laid down a lot of the flesh, a lot of the pride, mm-hmm. a lot of the pain. I quit. Um, I quit living in that. And I, uh, I say that God took me down that path marked forgiveness and I began writing and different doors opened about speaking and writing on forgiveness. And God just did such a healing in me. And what I say, God gave me a vision a few years ago. What I say is that when it comes to forgiveness, it's like a four legged table. Okay. And when I saw the vision, it was a rectangular table, which I don't understand that why it wouldn't be square, but that's the detail oriented person to me. Yeah. But each leg, <laughs> each leg stood for something different. It was gratitude and then grace and mercy and forgiveness. And a table is worthless without all four legs, mm-hmm. right? And it's not perfect if one's shorter than the other. It's probably useless too, right? Or at least very annoying. And so at the very least. And so I just encourage everyone to just show grace and mercy, especially in today's time. And uh, to be grateful for what you have, because that was what God said to me. He said, you are not even grateful for what you have. And um, I just ask you, you know, are you grateful for the things that you have? And uh, and I just I learned so many valuable lessons. Doesn't matter if somebody um, is asking for forgiveness or going to do something different. Maybe they've hurt you and they have no idea. 
But um, at the end of the day, I have learned that whole saying about, you know, um, not forgiving is like standing in a jail cell and realizing the key is in your pocket. Let yourself out. Quit being a prisoner. Let it go. Amen. Yeah. And I think that's so powerful. It's very similar to an experience I had with forgiving my grandma's murderer. It took months. It was a process. And I appreciate the fact that you said it was like seven months or six months, whatever you had said. You know, it was a process. It wasn't just like, okay, I'm going to forgive and this is good. You know, sometimes, (laughs) you know, forgiving, the, the Bible says we're supposed to forgive from our hearts. And so sometimes it takes time. But it is so freeing. And I think that that's powerful that that was the step that really freed you from the pain. You know, because I think that so many people don't think of it in that way. But then the gratitude, oh my goodness, that is so powerful. And we could talk for hours, I'm sure, still more. (laughs) But you have have a book that you've written on this topic, right? Can you tell us a little bit more about this? Well, so I have a smaller book. It's called Abandonment to Forgiveness, and it shares a little bit of my testimony, and then it also has a Bible study in it. Um, it's The book is available at Lifeway Christian Bookstores. It's part of Michelle Borquez's Life um, God Crazy Freedom series, and of course, um, each book is different. Mine's on abandonment and forgiveness, yes. and, so, um, and so it's a great book. It's a great little book that just really, it's a mini book, so it's a very simple, easy read that has the Bible study. Um, and, you know, and I would say, too, that um, so many times people are abandoned in different ways. Uh, I've spoken to so many people that have shared their t- stories and testimonies of a mother or and or a father that was physically there but didn't feel emotionally, um, you know, uh, uh, encouraged or whatever it might be and felt emotionally abandoned. And so, um, you know, and I say, too, don't wait. I don't want this to pass by mm-hmm. today in this recording. Don't wait on somebody to be sorry. Don't wait for them to change. Whatever it is, don't wait for that. That was one of the things that I had to learn. The Bible doesn't say forgive those that say they're sorry. The Bible says, you know, it's really a command and it's not a choice. And when I teach on forgiveness, people always kind of look at you and go, oh gosh, I hadn't thought of it that way. Well, that's just the honest goodness truth, honey. And so... And I will say this too, the enemy, of course, when you decide you're going to forgive someone and commit to that, comes in and tries to bait you and and trap you and other things. And I know that you had asked me about a scripture. And the scripture that I always point back to is Matthew 18, 22. And I always read scripture, so I make sure that I read it exact. And it's the New King James Version. And it says, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. And what that means is that uh, today you're going to make a logical decision, not an emotional decision to forgive someone because it's God's way. And you're going to make that decision. You're going to commit to God and you're going to commit that you're going to do it. And when you make that decision, you're going to remember that it was a a logical decision. You know that this is what you're supposed to do as a Christ follower, as a Christian. Um, I I didn't do it for myself because I didn't understand that yet. I was too much of a baby Christian, uh, especially in forgiveness, to understand that I really was a prisoner. Um, so, so, but I, again, was at the fork in the road and made the decision I made because it was what I was supposed to do. I look, I had my eyes on God, I had my eyes on Jesus. And so get your eyes on Jesus. Just be obedient in that. Okay. That's just start walking it out and God's going to do the work in your heart. Amen. And we're just going to claim that now. And yes. we're going to believe for that. And there's going to be a huge healing and you're going to have those aha moments and you're going to go, Oh, thank you, Jesus. Yes. And so, and, um, I got to tell you, it was great. Months later, um, 
I had a moment where I was standing in my office and um, I was with my kids and, and uh, uh, they left the room and I was like, what is this feeling I'm feeling? What is going on with me? What, what is happening to me? And I stood there and I was like, what is this? What is this? And I realized I was feeling joy. Uh, and yeah, you can't have joy hanging on to hurt. If you're holding so, on to hurt, you can't hold on to them both at the same time. <laughs> no, no. Because holding on to hurt really takes both hands. Yes. You know, mm. it was taking everything I had it takes everything. to live through that pain. And so you have to let go of that pain and hold on mm. and, and let and go walk through forgiveness. Because it's not, and I'm going to tell you, this is not for the weary. No, <laughs> it isn't. And it's, I always, I always tell people it's, it's painful and it's hard, but this I know somebody that's listening right now has just been like impacted. I know that somebody just needed to hear this, that you're walking through the pain. You don't know what to do. You're at the fork in the road. We just, we just plead with you. <laughs> Come to God. Surrender this to him. He will show you what to do. The Holy Spirit will give you the, the way to forgive, will give you, you know, what you need. But it is so freeing. And Michelle, what you said is so true. Like my experience with my dad, he was a pastor. He was a good man. He was there for me. He was financially provider, but he was emotionally absent. And there was such a freedom when I finally was able to recognize, because I never wanted to say he was a bad father because he was a good man. But when I was able to recognize that and the pain that that brought and forgive him, it mm. brought such a restoration. I actually was able to talk to him and we had... We had such a restoration in our um, in our relationship. It turns out different for everyone, but whatever your experience is, get a hold of Michelle's book, Abandonment to Forgiveness. Take the steps. We just we just thank you so much, Michelle, for sharing your story and what a powerful, powerful, packed episode. So many lessons, so many takeaways. So thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Shelley. And it truly is, your story is truly just another example of how God can turn our mess into a masterpiece. Yes, and I am a masterpiece. <laughs> Amen. You are his masterpiece. And yes. we just thank, thank you, Michelle, for being here, for sharing your story. We thank all of you for listening. And we just pray that God has impacted you deeply. There are so many different aspects. You may need to go back and re-listen to this episode. <laughs> Take notes <laughs> because it's powerful. But if you are someone you know has a powerful story to share, I would love to feature you on this podcast as well. You can apply at shellyhits.com forward slash story. And thank you so much for being here and we will see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Broken Crayons Still Color Podcast. We have a gift for you. Download Shelly's hand-drawn adult coloring pages, as well as printable scripture cards, and all the transcripts from this podcast at www.brokencrayonsbook.com. If today's story inspired you, please share it with a friend and leave us a comment on iTunes. We love hearing from you, and your encouragement means the world to us. In closing, God is the artist, and our lives are his canvas. What will you allow him to create from the broken pieces in your life? When you are in Christ, you are his masterpiece. I am a masterpiece. I am a masterpiece.